Okay, please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16, and this will be day number three of our London sessions, and uh, day one we looked at the gospel, and I was able to show you that there are no works involved, and when I say no works, I mean no works, no baptism, no church membership, no tithing, no nothing. It's faith in Christ alone, and then yesterday we looked at hell, one second from hell, and I gave you a lot of scriptures to show us that hell is forever. And uh, when it comes to laughing, only say people have the right to laugh. And one day the Lord's going to laugh in the face of ungodly people. And I've seen people over the years laugh at me for giving out tracts. And I can think of two occasions when a father walked by with his son and was laughing at myself for giving out tracts. I thought one day the Lord's going to laugh at that man for laughing at me. And another incident took place about 18 months ago. We were giving out tracts. And uh, a guy was walking down the street with his wife. And uh, she took a tract from us, and he said to his wife, why do you take that for? That's a gospel tract. And she said to the husband, well, I didn't know what it was. I just took it. It was there. I wanted it. And he was very up, uh, very unhappy that uh, the tract had been taken. He thought that uh, she shouldn't have taken the tract. And I thought to myself, one day the Lord's going to laugh in his face. He was pretty uh, mean towards his wife. A third event, I can recall of a young couple walking down the streets and the lady took the tract and he snatched out of her hand, marched up towards me, said, take your blankety blank track back, shoved it in my hand and he went off the road, walked up the road with his girlfriend or wife, whoever she was and I thought, yeah, one day the Lord's going to laugh in your face. It's a serious thing to turn down the plan of salvation but for today I want to look at the gifts of the Spirit and uh, this be quite fortuitous because just yesterday I was speaking to a man who came up to me on the streets uh, outside Hammersmith uh, train station and uh, he told me he'd been saved for a period of years I don't remember how long and he was into the gifts of the spirits and I've done street work for 14 years now and nine times out of ten those that I speak to are into the sign gifts and I'll say this you know, before we get into the scriptures that God can heal if he wants to but that doesn't mean he's going to heal Paul was almost blind before he died Trophimus and Timothy were sick In fact, Trophimus was sick unto death. And uh, no one laid hands on Trophimus. No one laid hands on Timothy. No one laid hands on Paul the Apostle. Some of the best saints have been sick from the moment they got saved to the moment they died. But the scriptures that get cited, and uh, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures this morning, if we have the time, are normally cited from uh, Mark 16. Let's pick it up in verse 11, please. And they, when they had heard that he was alive... And have been seen of her, believe not. After that he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with the unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Take these verses, and if you've got a pen, underline the term believe not from verse 11. Underline the word they from verse 11. Underline the term neither believed they them from verse 13. 14. Unbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. This is speaking about saved people. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Concerning the apostles. 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature like we are doing in London today and for the next two weeks in total. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
that gets quoted by the Church of Christ Brigade. But it says very clearly, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. You're saved by believing, you're damned by not believing. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And these verses get quoted and quoted and quoted by people until you get sick of hearing it to suggest that this piece of scripture is for us today. But if you go back to what I said a few moments ago, and if you'd underlined the term they from 11, they from verse 13, they from verse 14, and read these verses, you know that Christ is speaking to the apostles, and only the apostles. Let's read on and we'll come back and pull these verses together. 19. So then... After the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Mission accomplished. And yet the Muslims have no finished atonement. They have no atonement whatsoever. The priest continues to go to uh, the Catholic system or through the Catholic system. He continues to intercede for his people. There's no finished work in Catholicism. 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. The Lord is working with the apostles. He's speaking to the apostles. He has rebuked the apostles for their lack of faith in him. So I look at 17 and 18 and 20, not to forget chapter 19. I'm thinking to myself this, that in the context, he's saying, if you guys believe in me after not believing on my resurrection, these signs are going to follow those that believe. In other words, I'm going to give you guys the sign gifts. But also from 12, it says, after that he appeared in another form unto two of them. Cleopas, Luke 24, and another colleague who is not named in scripture. And he appeared in another form to them. Why? Because of their unbelief. And the JWs say, no, he was resurrected in a glorified spirit, or a glorified body, I should say. No, he was resurrected in his own body, but he was glorified. He appeared to Cleopas and his colleague in a different form because they didn't believe on him. It's a picture of judgment. Thomas is commended in John 20 for believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, how about those that haven't believed, or haven't seen, I should say, and yet have believed? You saw me, Thomas, and you called me my Lord and my God, and I'm going to commend you for that. But how about those that haven't seen, and yet have believed? Go to Second Corinthians chapter 12, please. I'll come back to Mark 16 in a minute. Second Corinthians chapter 12. What did Christ say? The Lord spoke to them. He was seated up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. They went forth, preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word was signs following. 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. Starts with the apostles. Do you believe on me? Have you received me? Do you understand I'm the Messiah? If you do, these signs are going to follow you that believe. And in my name, they will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, so on and so forth. But in Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, as an apostle, who wasn't chosen by the apostles, would tell us very clearly in Second Corinthians 12, 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you, in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Paul was an apostle. He gets assigned gifts. Stephen was a disciple of the apostles and therefore gets assigned gifts. Philip was a disciple of the apostles and therefore he gets assigned gifts. Twelve, twelve again. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Because Paul was an apostle. He was a Jew. Go to Revelation chapter 2. 
People think there are apostles today, people think there are prophets today, and I say no, that's not the case, and I get called all sorts of names for holding such a view. People say, you shouldn't judge, James, you shouldn't be so uh, quick to pull people down. Well, in Revelation 2, 2, Jesus speaking, I know thy works, and thy labour, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them, which are evil, and thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and has patience, and for my name's sake, has laboured, and has not fainted. Here Christ is commending the church of Ephesus, verse 1, for trying, for judging, for testing out this crowd of people who call themselves apostles, and are not, and has found them liars. So don't be so sensitive, don't be concerned if people correct you, or try to condemn you for judging such people. Go back to Second Corinthians, please. Second Corinthians... 2 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 4 please. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Just a thought of there being another Jesus, just a thought of there being another spirit, just a thought of there being another gospel is pretty frightening. We were told from Galatians chapter 1 that if someone or something would come to us preaching another gospel, let that person or that thing, that entity, be accursed. And you think of Moroni for the Mormons, and you think of Gabriel for the Muslims. For he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, like the Catholic Church, whom we, the apostles, have not preached, or if ye, he's writing to say people here, receive another spirit, like the New Age, for example, which ye have not received, or another gospel, like faith and works, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. It goes back to First Corinthians chapter 15, from our first day here. Unless ye have believed in vain. It's all linked up. Be careful, because you might well bear with him. You might become seduced by such a person. 13. For such are false apostles. Deceitful workers transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. You look at a typical priest, you think, what a great man he is. The Pope last year was named Man of the Year. They're not going to come to you dressed in a devil's outfit. They're going to come to you as the apostles of Christ. In fact, one of the terms that the Pope calls himself is an apostle. The Mormons have 12 apostles. At the top, they have the president. And they believe that the president receives light from heaven. And he delegates that light to the 12 apostles in Mormonism. And then from the 12 apostles, it filters down to the laity. And yet they forget that in the book of Hebrews, the office of Melchizedek is non-transferable because they also claim the office of Melchizedek and the office of Aaron. But that office of Melchizedek and also the office of Aaron is non-transferable. It is only relevant to the Lord Jesus Christ. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, televangelists, name it and claim it, your best life now, transform themselves in the apostles of Christ. Look at 14. And no marvel... For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. But could you spot it? Could you discern it? Could you be able to warn others about this particular individual, this movement? Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You've got another gospel. You've got another Jesus. You've got another spirit. And you've got the devil transforming himself into an angel of light. And top of that, 
false apostles are also being transformed into the apostles of Christ. For 15 one last time, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers, his minions, his servants, his priests, his vicars, his pastors, his evangelists, most of Christendom, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. Thankfully, for Matthew 24, Christ tells us, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. But it's not possible. But if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. And of course, that text for Matthew 24, to be correct, is 144,000 in the tribulation. But I'll leave it and spiritualize it for the church age. So we don't need to be worried about, worrying about ultimately being uh, deceived. Yes, you can be deceived temporarily, but you can't be deceived permanently. Go back to Mark chapter 16, please. Not finished with this passage yet. Mark 16, 11 down to 20, gets flagged up as not being in the oldest manuscripts or the best manuscripts. In fact, it's from verse 9 to 20. And yet, as a quick side note, nearly all of the church fathers quoted this piece of scripture. In fact, we know that the church fathers quoted 86,000 references from the New Testament. So even if we lost every Bible in the world, we've got 87,000 quotes from the church fathers. I think apart from 11 verses, we've got 5,500 Greek manuscripts. And uh, we were able to show one of our sisters the oldest Greek manuscript last week in Manchester from the Gospel of John. So these verses do fit. They do belong in the Gospel of Mark. But this is the problem. You read these verses. 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. The apostles, first of all, and their associates. In my name shall they cast out devils. Peter would cast out devils. Paul would cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Acts chapter 1, they are sitting in the upper room, not standing. They're not aware that the Holy Ghost is going to fall upon them. And they speak in tongues. Known languages, 12 languages from memory. They shall take up serpents. One serpent tried to kill the Apostle Paul from the latter parts of Acts of the Apostles, and it didn't kill him. Colon, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And that piece of scripture has been a puzzle to most expositors, because reading through the New Testament, no one drunk any deadly thing. And yet, in the Great Tribulation, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, always remember that, not Gentiles, this is a Jewish book, the Jews require a sign, and the Jews are entitled to a sign. Are going to be sent around the world preaching the gospel, and we know from Revelation that the waters are going to be contaminated, and therefore they're going to need to drink to survive. So the latter part of eighteen is going to be aimed at those in the tribulation, not those of us living today. So if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. There's two parts to this now. James twenty-five says, if any of you are afflicted, sick, worn down, whatever. Call for the elders of the church, not the pastor. And the elders of the church shall come and lay hands on the sick. And there's two parts of James 5 which gets overlooked. The first part is a physical healing and also a spiritual healing. On top of that, the context of James chapter 5 isn't forgiveness of sins, which is what the Catholic priests would have you believe. It is healing and they shall recover. And you look around the world today, you see the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, playing with snakes. But they're very careful what snakes they play with. They don't play with a cobra or a python. They bit the snakes very carefully. And uh, I remember listening to a sermon some years ago and uh, somebody was speaking to a charismatic who believed that these verses are for today. And this individual who believes that these gifts are for today said to this chap who didn't believe that the gifts were for today, do you speak with tongues? And he said, no. And he said, uh, do you? He said, yes, I do. 
said, I believe tongues are for today. He said, that's interesting. So he got some uh, poison, shall we say, from the guy's cabinets, some questionable substance. And he said, how about drinking some of this? You know, you think you, know, you, think you can drink this stuff and not uh, be killed through drinking a deadly product? And he said, oh, no, 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 that's tempting God. And he said, you're not tempting God by taking these verses to be literal? What they do is they break these verses down and they pick and choose which parts of the gifts are for today. But as I understand it, there are five parts of the gifts. And those five parts are primarily given to the children of Israel. Because in Exodus chapter 4, God speaks to Moses and he says, Go to the children of Israel, speak to the children of Israel, and tell them that I've sent you. And tell Pharaoh that if you don't let my children go, there's going to be problems, there's going to be trouble. And he gives them a staff, he throws it to the ground, it becomes a serpent, take it up, so on and so forth. And you know the rest, when Moses meets Pharaoh's magicians, they also try to counterfeit what Moses was doing. And we're getting that this morning, aren't we? We're getting a counterfeit gospel, counterfeit Jesus, a counterfeit spirits. But these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils and speak with new tongues. Known languages, not gibberish. They shall take up serpents. Well, that was Paul, primarily. And if they drink any deadly thing, hasn't yet happened, but it will in the tribulation, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, partly pitched in James chapter 5. But I think primarily James chapter 5 is spiritual uh, healing. You're worn down spiritually. You're suffering great persecution. You're about to burn out. Although I won't rule out physical healing being in that piece of scripture. And they shall recover. And yet one more time, James 5 is not speaking about forgiveness of sins in the sense of what the priest gives the Catholic. It's in reference to being forgiven of your faults. Because it tells you to confess your faults one to another. Go to First Corinthians chapter... 14. So how do we know if these people today have the sign gifts or not? How do we know if men and women that we meet on the streets, that we see online, are speaking the truth or not? Well, Revelation 2.2 2 told us they were liars. And Revelation 2.2 2 told you that for checking them out, for judging them, you were to be commended for doing so. Don't be a blind idiot. Don't take anything at face value. Dig a little deeper. 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 22, please. Wherefore tongues are for sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Tongues are a sign to Israel, primarily, historically, doctrinally. The apostles are Jews. Acts chapter 2, they are speaking with tongues, other languages. You've got people that have come from all over the Roman Empire to go up to the temple. It's the day of Pentecost. It's a Jewish feast day. And you got the 11 apostles, possibly Matthias, number 12, speaking in tongues, known languages. Tongues, therefore, are not to those that believe. In other words, we don't speak in tongues to believing people, but to those that don't believe. Why? It's a picture of judgment. It's a picture of the Lord confounding them. It almost goes back to yesterday's message. I have them in derision. I'm going to mock them when their fear comes. It's so similar. But prophesying, like praising the Lord, like proclaiming his word, and even here, prophesying, like Agabus, like uh, Philip's daughters receiving revelation because the New Testament hadn't yet been written, serves for those that believe. But tongues is given to save Jews, historically, to rebuke unbelieving Jews. Look at 27. If any man speak in unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. Did you get that? If any man, not woman, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, it's not known to those that are listening. And yes, it will be a known language from Acts chapter 2, hence why the interpreter is needed. 
Let it be by two, or at the most by three. Never more than three people, and that by course. Take it in turns, and let one interpret. So men only, at least two, no more than three. Take it in turns, and let one interpret. 34. Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Let your women keep silent in the churches. Concerning what? Tongues. Can women pray in the church? Yes. Can they sing in the church? Yes. Can they share a testimony in the church? Yes. But tongues is the context, and therefore women are to be quiet in the churches. And yet most people that speak in tongues are women. 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that are right unto you are the commandments of the Lord. This isn't a suggestion. This is a commandment. In fact, look at 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, like here, for example, this morning, and all speak with tongues, unlike this morning, and there come in those that are unlearned, or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Of course they will. They think we're fruitcakes. And yet, it says in 25, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down in his face, he'll worship God, and report that God is in you of a truth. Why? 24. If all prophecy, or all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one, that, or, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. Why? Because his heart has been convicted. He says, some will stand up and give a prophecy, which in this piece of scripture, during this time of the early church, is 55 AD, so they are still receiving revelations to some extent. He's going to be convinced of all. 24. He's convicted of his sin. Hence why he falls down on his face. And he worships God. And that's what happens when you meet God. You fall on your face and you worship him. Unlike John 18 when they fall backwards. When they come to arrest the Lord. Because they are enemies of the cross. So you take these verses. And you check these people out. And you say. Do you rotate it? Men only? Never women? In fact my experience has been that most people that come up in the streets. Are charismatic or Pentecostal. And they want to debate me. They want to have a discussion with me about stuff like this. And yet, like this chap I spoke to yesterday, I think it was, or the day before, I asked him, I said, do you tell people about the gospel? Do you witness to people about the gospel? Do you preach about hell? He said he did. Now, I wonder, because most charismatics, and I will say this, on tape are cowards. They won't tell people to their face, you're going to burn. But they'll spend hours debating with people in the streets like myself or online. And yet, when someone gets saved... The chances are, nine times out of ten, they will approach that saved person and start to cause him to question salvation. And yet, where was that person before he was saved? Dead in his sins. But the moment a person gets saved, these charismatics come along and they start to put doubts in the minds of the new believer. And that's when the problems begin. So I'll wrap this message up and say this, that in essence, these verses point to two things. A counterfeit gospel, the true gospel, and you are told, you are commended, you are expected to judge all things. Hold fast to that which is true. And if you get into the error, if you get into the whole mess of the charismatics, the name it and claim it brigade, those that believe that such gifts are for the day, go to Second Corinthians 12.12, uh, 12. go to Second Corinthians 12.11.13, go to First Corinthians chapter 12.13 and 14, and take the time to examine them. Because for the most part, they are either carnal and deceived, in which case give them some grace. But on top of that, like a chap I spoke to yesterday, they could quite possibly be demons, devils in disguise, wanting to tie you up, wanting to mess you up, wanting to ruin you. And they will ruin you if you're not careful. But as I said, I said a few moments ago, you can be temporarily deceived, but you can't be permanently deceived, which is a great blessing indeed. So 
Maybe we'll come back and look at these verses over the next several days. But for now, what you've had is, a, I think, hopefully a helpful study into the whole signs and wonders movement. And again, the Jews require a sign. The Gentiles don't require a sign. The Gentiles have nothing to do with the Lord until they are saved. Whereas the Jews are God's people historically, and the Jews are therefore entitled to receive the sign gifts. And they got them. They had them. But for those of us living today, we live under grace. We live by faith, not by sight.